Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, but joined by Ben Roitena. Hello there. And Josh Brown. Hello there. Chaps, it is the end of a generation. It doesn't feel like it because this year is utterly ridiculous, but we are coming to the end of the eighth console generation. Um, and we're just going to be doing a whole bunch of different coverage across podcasts and videos and whatever else we can think of. Um, so I thought we would dive into the various mistakes, the various sort of controversies and things that we talked about across this generation that in no way can continue, but clearly will anyway. Um, so we've done a little, we did a little short list. Um, and it's just sort of taken the generation... If you sort of, um, I don't know, looked back over the last seven years, which stuff sort of sticks out? So we've got some bugs and glitches stuff, some live service stuff, the idea of monetizations and aggressive um, monetization overall, aggressive microtransactions and things like that. Um, but we'll get to them bit by bit. I kind of want to talk about bugs and glitches initially because um, I feel like they got way worse this generation. The idea that, you know, the day one version of a game is always the worst um, with just humongous file sizes and everything. Um, ben Roy, I guess, did you, have you found the same thing that this gen has just been so much worse? don't really know if I've played anything that's been sort of like plagued with bugs and stuff. Like I'm trying to think back to anything that I've touched that has had so, that has been bad enough. Like I didn't even go in for a jump or I don't go in for Assassin's Creed. So they're two big ones. Pardon? You don't play Assassin's Creed Unity. That was like the first major one. I've, I, uh, hands up. I played uh, Assassin's Creed Blood Money, which I was going to say. Brotherhood. (laughs) uh, Didn't didn't really care for it. Not played one since. Probably not going to play one ever. Unless I'm I'm forced to. Uh, But uh, no, I I saw the whole inside out faces from afar and all that sort of thing. And just couldn't sort of like get to grips with like how, I know how that happens because they're just, they need to get, well, they they need to get out. But at the same time, think I, I always go back and think about the people that don't have the internet connections that can't download the updates or maybe take them two weeks or something stupid like that to download mm. the update and then they're just left this broken product which bell writes they should be given a free run re- refund for some sort of voucher i don't know about yeah using- well with uh, unity it took a 50 gig patch on xbox yeah. to fix it they had to completely replace it um and it's just like there's there's so much of a push this gen to be like oh you know you pay extra for like the day early edition or play two days early but it, that's just an even worse version of what you were going to get 
I, for me, right, like I thought we'd hit a point with Assassin's Creed, especially. I thought this was like the worst it could get in that we'd, um, you know, kind of <laughs> learn from the mistakes of these terrible, terrible launches. And I think for a while that we did get better. You know, that was what well, was a tipping point after that. Assassin's Creed, just as one franchise, was taken off that annualization rush to get out and get on as many platforms as um, possible. And I think we did see developers kind of start to take a bit more care with their launches for a little while and then it went to piss again and now it's just as bad as it ever was we've got like the likes of marvel's avengers coming out just completely half baked we've got anthem and there is something that those two games share in common that we will get to later but there is just like this idea this mentality of we'll push it out and we'll patch later you know what i mean there have been so many deep dives into the idea of shippable bugs that have been caught before launch but because these um Publishers need to hit these deadlines to make the shareholders happy to get a certain amount of money for that fiscal year. Like they're deemed as access acceptable. And like you said, it's the people who buy in day one, the hardcore of the hardcore fans who ultimately pay the price for these games getting rushed out. Their excitement is supposed to blind them to the fact that they are just getting worse versions of these games. But there's, there's a thing for that kind of experience in its early access. But these games aren't billed as being yeah. early access experience. They're supposed to be, you know, full releases, $60 games, yet they're not really treated as such by the people actually um, making them for the most part. And, you know, there are exceptions to the rule, but it still happens far too often where you get a game that's just broken. And for something like Avengers, you know, not a kick its shins in but that has really pissed me <laughs> off over the past few uh, weeks yeah um something like avengers that's supposed to be a platform for content for a long time but how are you supposed to get invested at day one how are you supposed to invite the hardcore fans to keep coming back when they've got a fundamentally broken experience that just you know doesn't do their time investment or their monetary investment like justice like this needs to be sorted next gen i feel like it's only going to get worse with patches and stuff and you know the accessibility of fixing a game post launch and the realities of needing to get games out but i don't think it can i feel like we, we've hit a point where we don't accept it like we used to you know for better or worse mm. can i take you i think like they've tried this method so many times and it's failed so many times from like you know destiny to like trying to try uh, mutate shadow of war so it had all microtransactions and loot boxes and stuff like that make it this continual thing that you play forever and none of them have worked other than destiny and even then they had to scrap destiny one and just try again with destiny two can I take your um, sort of Avengers and raise you a Master Chief collection and Mafia? Because <laughs> ah, yes. uh, we, I just remembered that, yeah, I was hit by the broken thing at launch. The, uh, the Master Chief collection, like, for me, oh, there is no excuse uh, yeah. for a remastered package like that to be that played with video game death inside of it. I don't know what was going on there. I don't know how that happened, but come on, man. Like, how many years was that down for? Like a year or so, maybe it, two? It's been four years to get it stable. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You know what? With like those games, those two brilliant examples you just mentioned there, Ben Roy, Master Chief, the, uh, the Halo, the Master Chief Collection, and Mafia yeah. 2 Definitive Edition. They're supposed to be the best versions of these games. Yeah. They're supposed to be the definitive editions of these games. It's right there in the title. And they run worse than the versions that came out on Nvidia hardware like 10 years ago. What's the point? Why are you charging me all this money for a game that you clearly don't care about? And that's the worst thing. That's why I get so pissed off in these videos. It's because you can just tell that it's done 
to make some money very, very quickly, very cheaply. And you can tell that the care isn't there or if the care was there, it's been snuffed out by like businessmen or publishers, or, you know, the archetypal stereotypical man in a suit who doesn't care about video games <laughs> and just wants his money. It's it's yeah. You Because you got stunned by the Ultimate Alliance uh, poisonous barb. <laughs> around, was it Ultimate Alliance 2 that you bought for like 50 quid or whatever? One, it was a bundle of one and two, but yeah, right. like that, that, was a, that was my breaking point in terms of remasters especially. Because, you know, mm. we talk about um, in news videos and reviews and everything, you know, about like how good of a job Activision has done with um, remasters and remakes of Tony Hawk's Crash and Konami, not Konami, Capcom with Resident Evil and stuff like that. And they've set the bar and yet you still get um, publishers trying to push out remasters that just run worse than the originals and, uh, you know, charging even more for them, like 50 pounds back in 2015 or whenever it was for Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2 that were essentially just ports, just, just slightly more effort ports. Like, it's just that low effort stuff that yeah. we keep having, that we keep getting fed and that we're ex expected to, like, thank our overlords for that really <laughs> is my if i get old scott tailford and ben roy turner it just grinds me down more and more and i'm like oh, i just love I this like stuff it'll, i feel like it'll go away because by sheer definition of everything being backwards compatible you can just go to a used game shop even though there's hardly any exists now but you can go to like amazon or whatever and get a copy of the game for like 50 pence and then just put that in and it'll work at least it'll work on the xbox side of things um, which means that they they shouldn't be able to, quote-unquote, they shouldn't be able to get around the idea of backwards compatibility by selling you a 50-quid version of something with, like, oh, the frame rate's a bit higher or whatever, because all that stuff gets done automatically on the console side. Because um, for me, the turning point was Prototype, when they re-released Prototype and Prototype 2. Um, I remember them being either... I think they were both overpriced, but I just remember them being, like, there was nothing to them, um, but yeah. they were advertised as, like, oh, it's the PS4, we've touched it up, and it's the PS4 version. It's, like, not really, like, not at all. Um, and I feel like, obviously, the bar's been raised by you know the uh, the crash trilogy the spiral trilogy crash team racing tony hawks um things that and mafia definitive edition like stuff that we should have had years ago um that i feel like that's kind of the bar um i guess like yeah benroy do you like find that they going forward do you think they'll ever get away from like <laughs> going for a quick buck uh no because i, I just <laughs> i was trying to think of a, an example of the generation before like 363 and i took a while to think of one but the, i think the only one i could really think of then was like the silent hill hd collection which was oh, just yeah. broken and still is broken today on xbox and then like i was thinking now i'm a human that's bought resident evil 4 like seventy-four thousand times right and they've they've given they've sold me the same version which i paid for since the 360 i'm like come on man if you're gonna keep charging the the full price for that at least do something more to it mm -hmm. and i think we're always gonna get the quick buck here and there like like I, I, what obscure series is going to be next? The Singularity Collection, even though it's one <laughs> game, and somehow they've All broken that. Collection. Yeah, it's just we, we're getting so many good packages, like even like Command and Conquer, where they're going back and remastering the original tapes and things like that. But then for every amazing one, like a Resident Evil Two remake and stuff like that, we do get the trash, which is the, the Mafia Two Definitive Edition. <laughs> I think it was just. Where, where like um, th it, this is this is me doing the, for the video people. Like, 
this is how I would wear my sunglasses on the Mafia 2 Definitive Edition. <laughs> there was the so many shots of like the dude's hat. Uh, Vito, Col- Vito Colleone, no, that's the guy from uh, Godfather. Vito, Vito Scaletta. Yeah, 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 having, yeah. Uh, having his hat fall down through his head, um, which isn't a very good <laughs> look when you uh, pay top of How? How does that happen <laughs> then? And it was never even seen before on the other versions. As you know, I, I mean, the whole thing with that seems to be that they put all their resources into Mafia Definitive Edition, the remake of the first yeah. one, which is a brilliant redo of that game, but two and three got very little done to them for a definitive edition um, but yeah in regards to like bugs and glitches and stuff um, I have a whole a sinking feeling or like a as you know this undercurrent of doubt that the current AAA model like just isn't sustainable at all um, and I know that like Sean Layden said that when he left um, his position at Sony um, saying that you know he would rather game um, game devs took you know maybe a couple of years to turn something around or a year or something to turn around more smaller games rather than you know five years to eight years like uh, turning around, you know, God of War is a five-year dev cycle or um, Cyberpunk is like an eight-year dev cycle. Um, he would rather that like things were relaxed on the budget side and uh, on the development side and crunch and everything else so that, you know, the game that comes out at the end of that has way more manageable goals. Um, and especially for me, I mean, that reminds me of how things were in the 2000s where someone like Rockstar were releasing something nearly every year or every couple of years, whereas like this gen, Rockstar did GTA Online, which obviously carries over from last gen, and then Red Dead 2, and that was it. Like Naughty Dog got two Uncharted and The Last of Us out, um, which is cool, but like even Lost Legacy started as Uncharted 4 DLC. So I'm just, for me, like in terms of the whole bugs and glitches stuff, are, is, that, is that scope of production just so massive that it takes so many years to even get it together and there's so much more potential for it to fail? It's weird because um, I was going to say, thinking of that scope, like I look at the Res- Resident Evil 7 like 2 remake, do you think, I, I, someone who's just ignorant to that, do you think they're smaller scope? Because they don't feel like they're the scope of a Last of Us. And I feel like we're getting more of them without any like, stories of dev cycles being horrendous and that sort of thing. I feel like I Capcom's think, going for that. For me, like, three stands out as being a lot smaller scope than two. Like, it's still yeah. polished to hell. Like, it still plays really well. But I thought in terms of, like, the actual, the literal assets that were in it, like, there was reused stuff from two. And I know that plays into the, the literal reality of that game. But... Yeah, that's a good example of, the, of them bringing it together. I don't know what the dev cycle was on RE2. I'm guessing like a few years. Um, but a lot of that seems to play into the, the game engine. Like they've managed to use the RE engine for so many different games across a short period of time. Devil May Cry as well and things like yeah, that. DMC, yeah, DMC. And it's like, well, maybe if they get that stuff sorted. I mean, like a, a large part of the problem behind this stuff is game engine stuff. Um, looking at like Anthem and Mass Effect being forced to use Frostbite when clearly needed something else. So like, yeah, Josh, what do you think of the, the general state of like AAA stuff? Does it feel unwieldy? It does a little bit. I feel like, you know, part of the reason is exactly what you said there, but also just because like, the, the expectations on like AAA games over the past generation especially have kind of, the bar has been raised ever since sandbox games overtook first-person shooters as the kind of like go-to genre for, you know, your average AAA and third-party mm. experience. I feel like the customer, the fans, have kind of come to expect a game being, you know, 20 hours minimum, 40 hours, 60 hours, something you can properly sink your teeth into. But the development um, or the development time or the amount of employees on a project hasn't really kind of moved in regards to that. You get some exceptions. You get your Naughty Dogs, you get your um, Rockstar. But, you know, with the added time that those studios get, it's not like they just kind of, um, you know, work less hard to extend it over a period of time. They work just as hard to increase that detail even more and they completely knack themselves um, doing that. And on the other hand, you've got like a thousand person team 
pumping out Assassin's Creed every other year or every year back in the day and stuff. And I feel like with the scope of these projects getting so massive and the demand to consume every single moment of a customer's kind of like gaming time, like it's just in, it's just unstable. You know what I mean? We've yeah. got so many reports about crunch, so many reports about how difficult um, it is to create one of these games, how mismanaged these projects are, how there's very little kind of creative lead, how there are a bunch of different studios just kind of like sat around doing nothing mm-hmm. while they wait for another team to kind of finish something so they can work on it, which sends it into the middle of the night. There's no real cohesion between anything. And I feel like that sort of sense of scale has just, like you said, kind of like become unwieldy and I'm not, um, you know, at, at, at a point where I can give you an antidote to that or an answer or somehow some way to fix it because it's such mm-hmm. a massive systemic industry problem that has just gotten worse over the past generation. I don't think we've seen anything to kind of curb that. Ben Roy made a great point about Capcom. They have kind of raided in a bit. They've got Devil May Cry 5. They've got Resident Evils and stuff, which have returned to that kind of, you know, eight to 12 hour single player experience that might be a little bit more manageable. But I just wonder whether or not the average gamer who was only kind of grown up with the last generation, for instance, I wonder how they would even take to reverting back to that kind of style. Because you even see it now. I, I can't remember the last game was. It might have been Mafia Definitive Edition where people were saying like, yeah, this is really good, yeah. but I'm not going to drop $60 on a game that could be finished in a weekend. That used to be the norm for us, but that's just yeah. not anymore. You know what I mean? So I don't know whether the industry has moved far along that the expectations have moved to a point where we can't we can't go back at least not on mass that always gets me is like at no point did the devs dictate this stuff like it's always sorry the, at no point did the consumer dictate this stuff we weren't the ones you know the it's not like the average audience uh, you know consumer feedback was saying like hey could you just sort of make those leaves in the distance 8k could you just sort of like spruce up all this environmental detail like all this sort of stuff that i know that naughty dog have said themselves that they're perfect like you know they have this professionalist culture and they want to make sure that like you know, pupils dilate when a character looks in a certain direction or they want to make sure that like sweat appears on pores and stuff like that. And I feel like Rockstar and Naughty Dog are like are up there with this this sense of like, Red Dead 2 is like this weighty, lumbering, like huge project that you can just, you can feel all the time that got put into it. Um, and they're not so, you know, they're setting a bar, but they're not the standard at all. Um, and like I said, I think it's strange because they've kind of got lost in that maelstrom of like design, like especially with Naughty Dog, where I'm like, we're not going to see another Naughty Dog game for what four or five years, like one yeah. per generation. Like for me, I'm like screw that. Like I, I wish that they would do like exactly what Sean Layden said. I was like, just do a handful of smaller games. Like I would love to see a, a narrative-driven uh, Neil Druckmann game or a Holly Gross game or you know Bruce Straley returns for a one-off thing on Naughty Dog's side, um, or like whatever um, uh, Dan Hauser wants to get up to now that he's left Rockstar. I just think that's more healthy for the industry overall. I don't think these big lumbering over the top, like this nebulous assumption that the average consumer cares about that stuff because you have like an initial wow factor and then the percentage completion rates, hardly anybody finishes anything anyway. Like Mm -hmm. Red Dead 2 has a 28% completion rate on PS4. And it's like, people are barely seeing the stuff that you've like slaved over for five years. For me, that stuff doesn't add up. It's funny because you mentioned Last of Us, and that could probably almost be like half the length at some point. Yes. And people people complained that, that that second half went on for long. Like even if there were the two uh, the two parts of this story say were condensed a bit. Like I even think that that game was so long. Like finishing that thing and just that put you feel like you're pushing yourself through. And I feel like it also weirdly it works with some of the narrative. You're like oh, so much towards the end, and like or like you finish a Red Dead Two, like 
oh god that's dumb <laughs> but then like i don't know it, even like not so much but with like a death strand as well like because i think that's about a 50 hour game as well and you kind of like all these big games you sort of like you have to take a breath afterwards mm. and sort of like be done with but like um playing resident evil 7 again like this week like this week just gone that's like a six to nine hour game I was like you know what i was terrified for that whole thing but that's it's just done it's nice I've, I've there's done nothing it. wrong with like those yeah. tighter experiences like and they're so replayable like replayability used to be a bigger incentive like you can hide more goals behind it and stuff like that um, and i know that like you know you were saying like um last of us 2 is so long and arduous and obviously that's intentional to put yeah. in your mindset um, but having replayed Uncharted 4 um, like just a couple of days ago, um, <laughs> the back third of that game is like stretch the hell out where it's just like you're, all you need to do is get to X character, but like, oh, but then the room fell apart and we fell through this. And then we've got to go get the crate and push it over here and then climb back up. And it's like, I get that those things are gamey. Um, but at the same time, like, like I said, someone like Naughty Dog for me does have a potential attention to detail problem in regards to how, how much it gets in the way of other projects that they could do. Um, and like I said, I would, I would love it if they would rein that stuff in a bit more and just give us more titles overall and um, josh what's your thoughts on the the balancing of like how long it takes to do these games versus getting more uh, individual projects out of them hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. 
Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Yeah, I mean, like, I would, it's, it sucks, because I, I don't know, I genuinely, I know, this is the thing, I don't have an answer, because I, I, I love the detail, I'm, I'm a sucker <laughs> for that kind of detail in Naughty Dog and Red Dead games, obviously, I'd much prefer it if we could get that without the horrific conditions that some of the workers have to go through, but when I look at my favourite games of the generation, you know what I mean, it is <laughs> The Last of Us Part 2, it's Red Dead Redemption, it's those really lavish games, but then, you know, up to, up against side by side with stuff like you know um india titles you know what i mean our wilds which still took you know an incredible long time to make but let's um obviously the design priorities weren't on the ak graphics they weren't mm. making pupils dilate in the dark and stuff it was more about the physics and the mechanics and the systems at play that took so long for that game to be made and i just part of me wants to go back to um you know the PlayStation 2 era where we had Rockstar pumping out all of these different titles, all of these different franchises, all of these different studios working on varied different games. I do want to go back to a world where I could realistically get Max Payne 4 from Rockstar, but I just, I just don't think it's going to happen because with where monetization is, especially these days, you know what I mean? Like the, the real money comes from getting people to invest in one platform and drag that out for as long as possible. Get your quote-unquote whales in to spend thousands and thousands of pounds on one thing. Mm. And that kind of elongated experience where you can get someone in for 60 bucks, but then continue to siphon money off them. Sounds horrific, but, but there's just look at how much money FIFA makes. Just look at how much money Call of Duty makes. Just look at how much money... Um, the 2K games make GTA Online, you know what I mean? Like, that's where it's only ever them, though. Like, I, yeah, like, I mean, um, Cliffy B talks about like there's only really space for two entities in any given field, like in any different uh, genre. Like, you've got your Call of Duty and Battlefield, you've got Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, like, or potentially like Tekken, but they sort of oscillate, like, they take years off and stuff like that. Um, and I think that stuff's fascinating because I think that so many corporate, um, you know, thought processes go down that route of like, oh, well, if we can just get our whale thing going, like I tried that with the Avengers and it, it fails because we've seen like it, those, those players are playing Destiny. I remember when The Division came out and it was just after, um, it was in 2016, but it was as Destiny 1 was winding down and there was all these articles about the player base going from Destiny over to The Division um, because th there's only so many sort of like, you know, you have habits as a gamer and you're going to apply them to a certain thing and there's just, there's only so many live service games that you can juggle um, yeah like yeah like that's the problem that i think uh, again i want to stress that everything i just said that i don't necessarily agree with that's just <laughs> what i think will happen and i think that's part of the problem you know what i mean when you get like these publishers they're not trying to invent new spaces to get an audience they're trying to steal audiences yeah. from what's already popular so like you said you get the division trying to take destiny's player base you get you know the next new battle royale royale hotness trying to take PUBG, warzone or fortnite's player base 
And that just doesn't work. We've seen way more failures trying to do that than we have seen successes. We've seen the likes of Battleborn die. We've seen the likes of Avengers die and them die. You know, all of these different games with, you know, really talented people behind them, loads of money behind them. But it's just, it's just a weird mentality that the gaming industry can't get away from, just trying to snatch away audiences rather than trying to create something original. Because ultimately that is more of a risk, but it's fundamentally, you know, like gaming's an art form. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see more of. And I just, the cynic in me doesn't think that'll happen anytime soon. Yeah, Ben Roy, where are you on all this madness? I would buy the Avengers if they sold me a version without all the fluff in it. If they sold me a version <laughs> which wasn't going down the same corridor to punch an inanimate object, to then stand in a circle, to then kill the same seven robots, to then kill a big robot, and then to maybe lag out of the mission sort of thing. Like it just, none of that sort of uh, struck me at all. When I played that beta and I was doing the first beginning bit, so I was like, you know what? Actually, these bits of Kamala Khan, like this, this beginning bit on the bridge, these are, these are a little bit all right. I can see a game here. And then I got into the multiplayer bit. I was like, it's just at home we're getting fed donuts. I just I don't, don't want to do it. I don't want to have a job. Like I finished division two and then like, now the game's actually starting. Ooh, and I was like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I did division one. I did everything in that. Leave me alone. <laughs> Go away and leave me alone. like, I can just about handle PUBG. I don't even do their battle pass anymore. I do the, the gear, the gears five battle pass thing that they have. I, I maxed out because I'm a sadist, but I go back to like PUBG and I play that for a bit. And like, they've changed their menu 17, 17 times over. And I, someone who's put stupid, a stupid amount of t- Don't ever put that much time into a game. Like I did PUBG. Do you know what off the top of your head, how much time you put into PUBG? Oh, it's like, it's over like a thousand. I think it's like, I got, I broke like that many hours. It was doing, we were doing like 12 hour days, like a couple of days a week, <laughs> Get like in. book a day off work, just to sort of go, ah, there we go. <laughs> and like it, it, me and a friend used to work weird, like at, weird days. So like, he was off in the week and so was I. So just, that was it. It was just PUBG forever sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then you get into it, you get going, but then like, it's, it's, I always come with games as jobs and I'm just, I can't be doing with it. Like I think I can get away with Rainbow Six because like that, there was, I feel like there's so much sort of care that went into that before it became a proper like mm. job with its battle pass and stuff like that now. And that's a game that I like to drop into, but all they these do feel ones, like chores though, like especially on the Avengers. Yeah. Like they feel so exhausting. It's like, oh no, this is another game that I'm going to be drowned by. Like, and then like I was re- reminded by um, uh, Jim Stanley this week that in the Avengers uh, conference, like, and it's got no loot boxes, yay! And everyone's screaming and <laughs> loving, and then they don't realize that they just have to run down the same brown gray corridor forever, mm-hmm. punching a few lifeless robots when there's probably, all, from what I've heard, a great story in that game. But I'm just not gonna sacrifice, even if you give it to me for free. Like, I might play it with friends like a couple of hours a week, but I'm not gonna invest my time in it. Like, yeah, it's just. It's, it's weird because I feel like if you want that sort of like disposable game, like we have games like Far Cry, which probably are, you can make them, they're sort of disposable, but they feel there's more context to them because at least mm. there's some sort of open, like big world you can play about in. You can fight a bear with a fist or your fist or something, but just nothing about Avengers seems appearing in any way, especially to the people that love those films. 
I'm just well, I think it's like that stuff is just so it's so formulaic. It's just all about well, if we give you this enemy design because this thing yeah. tested with this, you know, consumer fact, like we did all this consumer testing. It's like this, this, this equals fun, and it's like I don't think you can get away with that with um, gamers, particularly with a, a game playing, um, you know, player base, a consumer base demographic, because we're way more learned in what we like and don't like, and we can identify these like formulas like in a way that I think. Well, I don't know, because I find it the same things happening in Hollywood. Like, the more you get these sort of corporately mandated sequels, reboots, things like that, people pick up on it. Like, I feel like most entertainment consumers are aware of that stuff more than they ever were before. And it's mainly because they pushed it so much further this generation or the last decade, but it stands out so much more. I'm very tired of all the big film franchises. Well, I'm very sleepy. I don't want any more of them. <laughs> you don't want the Suicide Squad? The only... Yeah, it's just... Uh, just go, I'm, I'm going to go back to some vintage Star Wars the novelization instead because that's the only stories <laughs> i want anymore but uh no like it's, it's just all these things that they feel like they just feel like uh, it's all pro they're all products it's all art yeah i get it they're, like, they're products but don't like at least try and put a bit of makeup on and be, be the clown and so like, don't just come <laughs> out here bobby with your horns like put some put cover your face a bit like well i'm not really a product i'm a fun <laughs> game no come on <laughs> come on just we're not silly okay? hyperscape like oh is that dead yet like pretty much yes. dead as well right like just yeah come on man just naked attempts at cashing in on like it's like it's like analyzing google trends and making a game based around what in theory would work as opposed to leading with innovation leading with something that's an original idea and then running yeah. from that running with that i mean and um, we should touch on we sort of we have sort of touched on live service stuff but i do feel like going forward there'll be a sort of happy medium in regards to how to do live service stuff do you still see the race because avengers is the most recent example of something high profile that went for that whole model and completely broke it do you think that more companies will back off or are they still going to try and get in honestly i thought people were going to back off after anthem and that didn't happen <laughs> i thought people were going to back off after bloody destiny got six yeah. out of tens at launch but it didn't i feel like you know i don't know um, which uh, major, like top tier companies haven't made one yet because after avengers that's square enix out of the running activision have yeah. destiny and um, ea tried with anthem so it's like well who else is there really yeah i feel like everyone's trying to at least get one and until they all fail individually, I don't think we're going to see the end of it. I think eventually we will see the end of it because it's just not sustainable. Like we've all seen, everyone else seems to understand from over the past three years of example um, after example. But when it comes to like live services, I do think that there's just a bit too much money in it if you do hit gold, you know what I mean? Mm. For them to not keep on pushing it and keep on trying because there are still some good live service games like the idea of the avengers is good like the idea of potentially yeah. having this world map that can pop up you know new uh, missions every so often new heroes swinging in to take on new villains and new whole storylines like that is cool just i feel like they're never ready for launch which is again like not to just rip off jim sterling in this video but like that's something that uh, he also touched on in that avengers thing like they're never ready for launch they always sort of champion a long-term plan like a, a destiny's yeah. gonna go on for 10 years anthem's gonna go on for 10 years we've got this roadmap of content that we definitely have planned definitely we definitely know what we're doing mm -hmm. and then you can't even get the launch right like make a good game first it sounds stupid make a good game first and then do all of that stuff afterwards there's no point planning for 10 years if you don't you have the investment days, right? yeah if you don't have the investment for someone playing for 10 days like you said mm -hmm. if the player count's going to immediately 
uh, drop because you either don't have the content, your game's too buggy, or there's just nothing unique there. Like Ben Roy said, who wants to play 10 years of running down the same corridors and Avengers smashing the same inanimate objects and smashing up the aim labs and stuff? Like, I don't know. And it's, it's, I don't know how much is invested into them because apparently Anthem 2.0 is coming. And it's like, at what point do you just kind of like cut ties? Because it is embarrassing for these companies yeah. to say, we've got a 10 year plan and then be like, oh, actually, that's dead. Buy Anthem like 2. You know what I mean? It's all crushing for the people that work on the game as well. Like, yeah. I mean, Anthem had such an on fire development. And I did, the, for me, Anthem is only still online. Only the servers are only still up because they promised that was going to be the case beforehand. Because going into it, even before launch, where everybody was saying, this isn't going to work, it's going to suck. And then EA were like, no, we're committed to it because obviously EA's reputation is that they kill everything that doesn't work in like day one. Um, and I feel literally only because of that, because they laid out their table and they said, well, because you know, if they cancel it now, then they only then then they admit that they that they are their reputation and they cancel stuff that doesn't work. So it's just sheer pride and denial at this stage yeah. keeping it going. <laughs> and then they've sort of said, well, you know, we're going to reboot it at some point in the future, which I think is just their way of getting it out the headlines for a while and then minimizing it so they can quietly put a blog post out that said, like, oh, actually, we've planned it all together, and yeah. which would be the healthiest thing for that game because it's like just on fire. Um, what's the year? What's that from last year? 
the a lot of the people look like budget Avengers. I think they a lot of us are over now. But when you put them in like the fake skins, oh, it just comes it comes flashing back. It just looks like oh, some yeah. bad cosplay sort of thing. <laughs> the thing that you said though about um, you know, building these games can be really good in terms of a way to keep in touch and giving you stuff to do that's sort of enjoyable whilst you're talking to people or whatever. Like like obviously there's like voice chat across all games, like just on the console yeah. side. But I like I feel like if if AAA devs or any sort of sizable team embraced that side of it and gave you something where the you know it was just about the game mechanics and it was just about working together and it was had sort of tools that were built in to promote communication and things like that like that would be a that would be a really great way to do a live service thing that feels casual that you know extend it's free to play and it has these other things that plug into it over time as opposed to trying to do the the hybrid approach like again with Avengers. Well, like all loads of them say, it, like, hey, it's it's totally fine as a single player game, but you can play multiplayer if you want. And it's like, no, it doesn't work as a single player game because I'll go down and then I can never be picked up again. And then there's all that sort of thing. They should split those two games, like those two parts of the game apart. You should be the online bit where you can just do the online stuff, and you should have just the siphoned off story stuff. And then I think that would probably mitigate a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, have any of you like gone through and done? You, you did, Scott. You went for the whole thing. Like, how yeah. many times do you have to do the? I'm just going to eat more cake until I get to the nice sort of like I don't know. I'm going to call the good stuff the broccoli. When do you? When <laughs> out? When is the broccoli compared to the cake? In the Avengers, it's very much a, um, you are, yeah, it's combat sort of 80% of the time and you get a, a sort of 80-20 split on cutscene. But in that, ga- in that game's case, the whole campaign is just a prime of the multiplayer because it's just like getting the gang back together and then like, let's yeah. save the world. And then you go off into multiplayer. So it's like, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a story really. Like it's, it's, it's a first, it's the first act of something. Um, which in theory, if they'd led with that, you know, if it, it my, it's, it's such a, it's a granular thing for the Avengers, but I think if they'd, planned it as a multi-year-long storytelling campaign and they really got out there and said, look, we're just going to do the beginning of the story here and, you know, we're going to tell the story across multiple years. And they sort of hinted at that and sort of said, like, oh, you know, we are going to plug stuff into it. But it wasn't like, you know, everybody checked back in a few months' time to find out who the killer really was or find out who this character was or, you know, Galactus is attacking Metropolis or, well, that's DC. But he's attacking Zuma and you need to go back and sort of take him on or whatever. I think there's ways to do long-form storytelling that is respectful of a consumer base. Um, as opposed to doing the microtransaction-filled sponsorship deal BS um, that also has them going like, hey, but there's a story. And it's like, no, there's not. There's not a story at all. Um, and all you're doing is stringing people along um, so that they keep rolling the dice for more invisible loot. This, it's, it's the stuff that I just find to be completely corporately soulless and ugly. Just, and I wish it would go away. It sounds to me like, imagine if Last of Us 2, we had all of Last of Us 2, right? But, you know, in between the scenes when they cut for a few days on sort of thing, you, you're going, you're Ellie, you're going around, you're going around in the wastelands, but we're three other friends sort of thing. And then you go back to the good stuff afterwards. It just, it just feels like they're spreading. It's not enough butter over too much bread, as, <laughs> as we always like to say sort of thing. It just... Come on, man. Like It's the, it's the uh, mission design that was in Final Fantasy VII Remake and the bits where you could tell, if you play the original, you could tell where they'd taken two points that were tightly knitted together, two threads, and just stretched them out. So it's really thin in between and gone, well, you could do this for 20 hours. Or, yeah, you could oh. go around and find cats for someone or go and help <laughs> kids. At least, at least those are some man's cats. Um, but yeah, either way, we'll uh, we'll continue to do more sort of podcast talking points, things like that about the close of the generation. There's a lot to celebrate, to be honest. We're sort of doing a lot of negative stuff, um, but we might also do the best new IPs that came out of the generation and the best uh, or the most surprising games too. Um, for now, though, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Ben Roy Turner. Goodbye. And Josh Brown. Farewell. And we'll catch you next time. See Bye. ya. Bye. See you later. <laughs>
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.